So how on God's gray earth did this And this And even this Become this. But I ran till I fell, shaking in his arms. You're listening to Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album, it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Just a quick reminder, we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MySpace and Friendster, and we have a website at detoursandoutliers.com. So visit us, join us socially from a social distance or an antisocial distance, and um, yeah, this week on the panel we have Logan Renard. Matthew Moore. And my name is Scott Livingston. This week we have a special guest, uh, illustrator Carl Christian Krumholtz, author of 30 Miles of Crazy and various other works. Uh, say hello to everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's great to be on. Thank you. Thank you. This is a, this is a, an episode I've been both dreading and looking forward to for a while because um, <laughs> do not care for Bruce Springsteen, and I've always loved this album. Uh, we're doing Bruce's sixth album. Uh, Nebraska, which came out in 1982, so just a, a year after the um, Village People album. So um, I guess start with general thoughts on Bruce Springsteen. My, my parents like him. <laughs> I, I, I grew up on uh, the East Coast, so there was no avoiding Bruce Springsteen. I learned to like him because uh, my father was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. But the thing was, his early album, all his early albums were in the house and played uh, all the time. But he apparently didn't dig this album because this wasn't this album was never in the collection. He went straight from the river to Born in the USA. So this was an album I had to discover myself. Well, and it does seem like very, um, you know, if you like Bruce, you wouldn't like this album. And I'm, that's kind of why, you know, as much as I like this album, it's never made me want to listen to more Bruce because this is a, a very different just you know from what I've gleaned through osmosis on the radio than you know what he usually does a lot of his other albums around this time were like the big anthem arena albums and this certainly is not that yeah I guess we'll start by sort of explaining the album the album actually was not recorded as an album or was not supposed to be an album what we really got essentially is the um 
what should have been the bonus disc on the uh, 25th anniversary reissue of Born to Run with all the demos on it. it. These are a bunch of songs that Bruce recorded on his four track by himself in his home to just show the E Street Band how these songs are supposed to go. And hmm. apparently the band either could not or did not play them well enough and he thought the demos were better or somebody convinced him the demos were better and he released that instead. A bunch of the demos, though, ended up on Born to Run. So it's uh, not Born to Run, excuse me, Born in the USA. Yes, he has a lot of Born uh, albums. Right, yes. <laughs> and and so so it's not like, it's not like, so these, these were ones that they, whatever for whatever reason, they just, it wasn't appropriate yeah. for the band. But this came out before Born in the USA too. So I don't know if he was buying time while he was writing more songs, because I think he did like demo Pink Cadillac and Born in the USA, the uh, title song, and, you know, a couple others that, you know, yeah, didn't I think, make uh, as much sense. I think that was it, um, I'm on fire was part of this. Yeah, that song that he did. He later he did. He gave it to someone else. Yeah, I I think it. We should mention that when we were talking about you know what people know about Bruce, it's it's Bruce and the band. Like the, there are people in the band and personalities in the band that are nearly as big as Bruce himself. And uh, and like Carl was saying, a lot of the, his well-known songs are really big uh, anthems with. You know, horns and and a and a big dramatic uh, arrangement, and they work really awesome that way. So it, it's interesting to have just just Bruce acoustic guitar and words uh, all by itself, because they usually you know classically have taken a uh, very different approach to some of this material. It's very there's lots of frilly stuff on it, I and mean, it's still really good rock and roll, but it's dressed way the hell up, and that's what he was known for. And so, and I don't know. If, yeah. I also don't know if it's a thing of his. When he's on his own, he goes a lot darker. Yeah. This is a dark album, and his other albums <clears throat> are talking about some of the same issues, like factory workers and you know losing your job, but doing it from a blue blue co- blue collar perspective. This is the same themes. But then the guy picks up a gun and kills somebody yeah. on they're this very, album. They're very gothic. Um, yeah, this this album's. Uh, I was gonna say this album's uh, like a um, American murder ballad, like a Jim Thompson novel. It's very pulpy. Yeah, definitely. Well, and you can almost think about it like his anthems with the band are like the uplifting songs that you need to cheer you up after the events of the <laughs> the, the 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 solo album. Thing, yeah. you know, you're you're gonna need an uplifting tune because the factory closed down and you're you know living under a bridge. I think it's my complaint, and I have not listened to all of Bruce Springsteen's records, but I uh, came of age, I guess, when he was hitting his commercial peak, endless, endless radio airplay and all of that, and uh, I I really tried to get into Bruce before all that happened, really, um, or at least to the extent that it did, you know, with the whole MTV business, but, you know, with The River, and I remember this, this quite explicitly, I bought that album, it was a double album, and I listened to it, and I didn't listen to it again. And then I met a girl, and she was so in love with, with Bruce that I thought, well, I better listen to this again. And I listened to it, and then I took it to the used record store. Where the person right behind the counter, uh, another young woman, immediately took it out of its sleeve and put it on the record player for the store to play. So so I guess what I'm saying is, is uh, Bruce has completely eluded me. I, I don't understand the appeal at all. And, and, and this is what my complaint was at the time, it was that I am not, as a listener, as, as a listener of rock and roll, while, while I do think vocal and, and melody are certainly, uh, certainly important, um, I don't listen to the singing first. 
I listen to what the rest of the band is doing. And I think I think the E Street Band is completely focused, at least on the commercial music, it's completely focused on supporting Bruce and his storytelling. And there just wasn't anything of interest there for me. And then you combine that with, uh, with his stage persona, which is strapping on a guitar and, and uh, flinging it around and randomly hitting a chord once in a while. Um, sort of mucking up the arrangement and, and it um, you know it just I just didn't get it at all this album on the other hand where it is just him playing the guitar and it's just him singing where the focus is where it should be right just on him it made a lot more sense to me I just thought it was I thought it you know it's like okay I get this I understand this I don't understand the uh, the bombast. Yeah, you know, folk bombast just doesn't quite. It's, it's a little bit like, well, that's what's going on under all that extraneous crap. <laughs> Neat. I didn't know that was there. Carl, where where'd you grow up on the East Coast? I grew up in uh, Philly, so okay, like the, yeah. the Jersey Shore is right there. I joke about you know my parents like Bruce, but they really do, and I bet your parents have the same. Your dad probably has the same story, which is he saw Bruce live somewhere, and it positively blew his mind because I think there's a thing with that too like a lot of people who you know were near jersey at the time got to see bruce and the band as just a working band and absolutely killing it i used to work i used to work uh when i was back there this was back in the 90s um i worked in this comic book store in uh, um Bryn Mawr, pennsylvania where the comic book store was i was told this is true i don't know how do you know the bruce springsteen box set the tracks where they on the thing that was shot in the basement of this comic book store because back in the 70s this comic book store was a small venue so yeah so it's it you couldn't get away from Bruce Springsteen growing up in that New Jersey Pennsylvania New York City area I, I think oh Logan yeah oh Logan I just want to say if I can add on to what you were saying um I guess this is my uh, relationship with Bruce Springsteen is is failed attempts at romantic, <laughs> um, engagement um, when I was in college I when I was in college I, I met another woman and and she was she had just come back it was like after spring break or after a break or something and she had just seen bruce in concert you know and she was just going on he played for almost four hours she was telling me everything about it she was so ecstatic that that um i immediately thought well okay i'm definitely missing something i gotta go listen to this again and um but you know there were predictable results yeah there. i was gonna say there's some similarity here with like fish fans saying you know you gotta see them live it's amazing live and it's like i'm I'm really pretty sure it's not. <laughs> I've never seen him live. I've never seen him live. Yeah. I like, um, I, I don't know. I, I like Bruce. I like the band. I think he's a hell of a guitar player. As a Telecaster guy, he's a, you know, simpler than a lot of the guys who are known as the, like Telly Shredders, but he, he can, he can play a lot of those licks. Yeah. I, I also like the fact that he's a badass guitar player who lets the guitar player, the lead guitar player in his band do his job for him because that's why he pays that guy to be his lead guitar. You know, that's cool. That's like kind of old school show business. I think one of the things that always sort of rubbed me the wrong way on Bruce is the same thing that rubs me the wrong way with Bono and keeps me from liking you too. He just seems like such a pretentious arrogant and yet not a prick because he he's genuinely nice i believe he believes in these causes he's fighting for but he just rubs me the wrong way and i think that might be why i enjoy this album because he wasn't performing he wasn't doing something that was meant to be heard and if you if we could just get bruce to not know he was being recorded he would probably do a lot better because it's not the acoustic nature of this album that drew me in i know he's done like one or two other acoustic albums since then and 
what Devils and Dust and Ghost of Tom Joad, and I'm like, well, I love Nebraska. Maybe I'll try them. And yeah, no, it's not the acoustic guitar that that's that's saving him here. And I don't think he toured for this one. Yeah, it's one of the first or only other than that new one he just put out, Western Stars, that he hasn't toured on because he tours on everything. Yeah, yeah. To um, back you up there, Scott, I think. I think that's been my general objection too, and it is a strange thing because well, remember we did the podcast on Jeff Beck, uh, the Jeff Beck loud loud hailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both both you and Logan despise that. <laughs> I loved it, um, but uh, but it sounds like you know it's the, basically the same sort of objection. You know um, that that there's there's a lot of preaching going on for someone who who doesn't seem necessarily to be speaking to my cause. Yeah. I guess to put it that way. Um, but but um, the old drummer in my band. Um, he told me this story, which I thought was great. Uh, apparently, uh, there was a, a radio promo in, in New Jersey where if you called in or, or you won some sort of contest, you got a free guitar lesson with uh, Bruce Springsteen. And you would think that, you know, rock star status and all that, it would be, it would be some sort of hype or, or there'd be a lot of hoopla involved. Apparently, he, um, he uh, just got her address, this, this, this young woman who won the, uh, the contest. Bruce got her address. Um, showed up by himself, right? Drove himself to her house, took his acoustic guitar out of the back seat and just walked into her house and gave her a guitar lesson. That's awesome. Um, you know, no cameras, no nothing, right? So I think it's a, I think he he's a genuinely um, nice guy. Yeah, which makes me hate him even more. If he, if he, <laughs> yeah. if he were to do this in some manner, I could at least, you know, write him off. But I, I think he's sincere and he's just, yeah, <laughs> he's the performative aspect of him that, that is really keeping me from enjoying him yeah well the um as as uh uh joblessness and factories closing down and stuff is kind of coming back around again you know for for a while the subject matter seemed a little bit corny or just like out of out of time especially through the the 90s and the aughts you're like yeah who who cares you know if he sprinkled in a few uh my my town has been ravaged by um uh meth and uh oxycontin addiction that maybe would have made them fit in a little bit better but it was just it seemed like stories from a bygone era for a while but i think a lot of his image as a working class dude and a you know working class band are are well earned because that's what they they were early on they were you know pretty hard working musicians that you could go you know that a lot of people you know my parents age did see you know on stage live you know reach out and touch them talk to them after the gig kind of working their asses off and so I have no problem that they took that, you know, that that was the aesthetic that they had adopted. I don't think that's contrived. It, you know, it, it would be different if there was like some big rock star guy who got famous as a big pop star and then decided to be like, yeah, Robin Thicke, we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that seems duplicitous, but this, this seems genuine. I just think it, it seems out of, it seems out of time, even when it was new. And, and whether you enjoy that, that fantasy or not is up to, kind of personal preference well and that might be why his first six or seven records are so well revered and almost nothing he's done since connects because he's been out of the blue collar game for too long he doesn't know how to connect to people he's instead complaining about 57 channels with nothing on and doesn't know what the oxycotton is doing to his hometown or whatever yeah he followed this with his biggest most bombastic album ever he went from wicked quiet to arenas yeah yes can i just ask one question uh you know for logan and 
Carl, you know, being from the East Coast, you know, I lived in New York for a while, but this this is a story. Okay, so so I'm a teenager, so this must have been, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 or something. And uh, my brother, my brother and I were hanging out, and uh, you know, the TV was on, and Bruce comes on, and my brother said something that stuck with me to this day. You know, so this was obviously a long, long time ago, and he's like, he goes, you know what? I don't, I don't understand Bruce Springsteen at all. He said, maybe, maybe if I was some, uh, you know, some some uh, New Jersey-born gearhead, this would make sense to me. It couldn't hurt. But it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. I don't get it. So, so I mean, he was clearly identifying that I, he was not the audience. And, it, and it's not like, you know, we came from a pretty uh, working class family, but but I think it's I think it's more, more regionally specific than that. Maybe. You know, I think it's more East Coast. I, I don't know if I was suggesting that so much as just there was, a, if you were alive and around then, you had a good chance of seeing him. Yeah. And, and early on, I, I sort of understand him as playing places in New Jersey and New York, you know, mostly New Jersey, like either Jersey Shore, they wouldn't be like the best venues around this would be like the uh herman's hideaway or 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 lesser um of of new jersey not you know a big theater or anything like that these were or or just like a biker bar or something like that this is something that you would stumble on while you're going out to get loaded or party while you're hanging out at the beach for a weekend kind of thing not Hey, we got really expensive tickets at this awesome venue to go see this big fancy show. I think people were kind of blown away because they were stumbling on this in divey shitholes, at least early, early on. And that that's kind of the classic story that I've heard from people my parents' age was that we went to this piece of crap biker bar and the band was really amazingly good. You know, and the house band usually sucks there. <laughs> Who are these guys? It's been described before and there's there's some truth in it. Like this is like Jersey Shore country music or yeah. the state of Jersey country. I did not grow up, you know, being growing up out there, I did not grow up with country music. I had to learn about Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson long when I was in my 20s and 30s. And this is the closest you're going to get to a Jersey Shore country album. I mean, it's him and his acoustic guitar. That's all it is. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, that Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you had to work growing up in Philadelphia. I remember there was this one bar in Philadelphia, and I know the guys, and they were DJing. And that was like the first time I heard Johnny Cash. I heard of him, but I never heard his music. And they pushed it hard. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of that in this. In fact, I think Johnny Cash covered a couple of these songs. He had a whole album called Johnny 99 that came out with like one or two of these tracks, I think. And then what I think, wasn't there a sub pop? Oh yeah, in 2000, like Amy Mann and Michael Penn did a song and a couple others. I don't remember who all was on it, but hmm. so yeah, it, Again, people who like Springsteen don't like this album, and people who like this album don't like Springsteen. So there's a reason why Sub Pop was doing this album and not just, you know, Born in the USA. Or the River, yeah. Yeah. Well, shall we give it a listen? Let's. Let us. From the town of Lincoln, Nebraska, with a sawed off 14. On my land Through the badlands Of Wyoming I killed everything In my bed So that's a fun little ditty. Yes, start the album with a song about a serial killer. Yeah, apparently it's a, a real story too. A 
Car or Charles Starkweather. He was gonna call the song Starkweather at some point. I think I think from what I've read, it is based on uh, the, the Starkweather crime spree. But I, from what I understand, he fictionalizes it in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think it's more than anything inspired by that Terrence Malick movie, Badlands. I mean, the opening with the girl standing on the front lawn twirling her baton. I mean, that's right from the movie, so. Is it? Now, having not listened to a lot of Springsteen, does he play a lot of harmonica? Because there's a lot of harmonica on this album, and I don't recall any on, you know, the radio Some of the hits. earlier albums uh, have harmonica in it, and I'm going to be a hard time thinking of one right now. <laughs> The, the Bruce uh, with guitar and harmonica and these sort of, you know, uh, uh, they're not flowery, but they are a little bit, uh, you know, ornamental with these, these stories. But it, it is kind of, it's like, they're kind of like Dylan songs if Dylan was making any sense, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's solo acoustic guitar and harmonica. It's hard not to think of Dylan. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're, if you're a, a folky, it's almost obligatory, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say his early, I remember his early albums, he was compared to Van Morrison. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. With, um, you know, other than this song, maybe we can sort of uh, circle back to this once or twice. Other than this song, does, does this album have anything to do with Nebraska at all? Even this song doesn't have much to do with Nebraska. This is, He's, this is the soundtrack to the film Nebraska, right? Yeah, yeah. With, did I listen to the wrong thing? With Will Forte <laughs> and uh, Bruce Stern, I think it was. Oh, no. Well, well, uh, I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, I was re-listening to it a couple days ago, and yeah, aside from this song, all the other songs are about Jersey, which you would expect because he's Springsteen, and which makes you wonder if you've ever been to Nebraska. He's probably driven through it, but I don't know if he's stayed more than a day. Have you guys? Have you guys been to Nebraska? Oh yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah, what well, yeah, one anyway? That uh, a lot um, of power plants in Nebraska. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of space. I mean, a lot of space. Maybe maybe that's what he was going for. Is just the idea of flat nothingness. And what says flat nothingness more than Nebraska? If you ever read that novel, that Willa Cather novel, My Antonia, it's a fantastic description of of Nebraska. Um, it's a uh, you know, it's stark. It's bleak. It's mm-hmm. harsh. You know. Yeah. Not quite Wyoming. Not as bad as Wyoming. But yeah. Still, you know. <laughs> There's at least people in Nebraska. Wyoming is, yeah, just cattle. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah there's like five people in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my favorite working up there story is just leaving our hotel to go to the power plant to work, and you can see the smokestack lights blinking from just miles and miles away. It's way out on the horizon, and uh, you, it gets closer and closer and closer, and as we're getting close to the plant, we kind of dip down into this little stream valley and there's a lot of fog so you can no longer see through the fog and see the blinking light and we we're driving and we're driving and geez it takes a long time to get to this plant but we can still see the little strobe light on the top of the t- of the smokestack and that next thing we know it's been like 30 minutes and we missed the turnoff for the plant and we're it's like are we looking at it from like is it on the other side of us now and, <laughs> and we had to double back like 40 miles to get to the you just couldn't tell it looked like it was a hundred miles away just barely on the horizon from every damn angle and that's what nebraska's like <laughs> yeah when i was a kid uh i was i belonged to this youth group um a teenager i belonged to this youth group at my church 
And uh, we always loved it when uh, when the uh, the corresponding group from Scotts Nuff, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, would come to visit because uh, they always had drugs. <laughs> what else is there to do in Nebraska? <laughs> so yeah. Um, but uh, what what do you what all of you think about? Uh, look, I I uh, uh, I like folk music. I also like Slayer, so I'm not against murder songs. But but uh, what is is this? Do you think this song is exploitative at all? What is what is you know <laughs> sensationalist? I mean, what good rock and roll song is not? Well, that's your <laughs> point. <laughs> I don't not, think so. It's, I don't think so. I mean, again, again, these little stories. You know, sometimes he's singing about picking up his girl, uh, picking up his girlfriend in the front yard. Other times he's talking about someone going on a crime spree with his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a few crime sprees on here. I was going to say this is like the dark version of uh, Thunder Road because the beginning yeah. of Thunder Road he picks up yeah. his girl from the front yard. Kind of the same thing here, but they kill eleven people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of good murder ballads and a lot of really compelling literature have this. I mean, it's almost this David Lynchian kind of juxtaposition of suburbs and <laughs> of like sweet normal stuff and serial killer crap. That's kind of what makes it, you know, an interesting story or 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 gives it a little bit of a of a vibe. Yeah, Nick Cave did the exact same thing, but Nick Cave turned it, he didn't turn to 11, he turned it to like 15 on his Murder Ballads album. Well, yeah. If you're going to do a Murder Ballad album, you do a Murder Ballad album. You know, and, and the country connection as well, you know, Johnny Cash did that song, Cocaine Blues. Yeah. And Boy Named Sue, but yeah. And Boy Named Sue, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there are a lot of good country songs yeah. about wasting people. It both oh. both ways of that meaning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, what would the E Street Band have tried to do with this song had they attempted it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the finger picking—that's got to be gone. Uh, the the harmonica's gone. We were asking about like what does what the fuck does any of this have to do with Nebraska? I think the sparseness and the space is like thematically could be the thing because if you had the band on here, they'd be filling up all the space as they do, and it, it's cool for anthematic you know rock and roll you know badass rock songs but i mean this really needs its space to give you those creepy vibes that make it neat i can't think of anything like clarence clemens saxophone could do for this song (laughs) (laughs) i mean that that was also the same problem they had with uh the darkness on the edge of town album because he saw that as a sort of a Jersey album, a, a, more of a suburban album rather than a city album. That's why if you listen, I think Clarence Clemens is one song, has a solo on one song on that album. Same thing with here. Well, I think the next track seems a little more suited for uh, the full band. And as a result, he played it live a gazillion times, I think. We want to check out Atlantic City. Put my money away, but I got debts that no honest man can pay, so I what I had from the Central Trust And I bought us two tickets on that close city bus Now baby, everything dies Maybe that's a bet But maybe everything that dies Someday comes back Put your makeup on So what exactly is a chicken man? Hmm. Do they blow up often in, in Philly? I, I'm not familiar. Oh, I, from what I, I was reading about this, and apparently like the chicken, like, chicken man was based on something. Like This was like a mafia hit, hmm. what this song's about. Oh, well, that, that makes more sense, because what I was picturing was, yeah, like a, a, the mascot for Popeyes in one of those suits 
twirling a sign outside and, you know, he stepped on a landmine, which <laughs> didn't really fit, but, you know. I uh, searched the uh, the interwebs, not exhaustively, I'm talking maybe a half hour at the most, but I, I was trying to find some, some reviews of this album that were negative, and I could not find one there it was it was very difficult uh i finally did find one and it was more recent and uh the comment that this this reviewer had for this particular song was the lyrics come straight out of 70s heist films <laughs> yeah yeah and, and he had some other you know pithy things to say about the other songs but uh but it, that that itself is kind of interesting that that uh, where are the negative reviews yeah it's i i guess well people have always been kind to bruce i mean even, you know, his recent stuff, which... Except there, there was that period when he put two albums out at once. People didn't like that. But other than that, people seem to like Bruce no matter what he does. Yeah. Was When he released those two albums, was one of them the the, 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 the Jode album? No, it was what, Human Touch and um, something else that looked almost exactly the same. Okay. The note that I have written down for this is repeated throughout the rest of the songs on this album. And that's... This is like a... Um, a late '90s, early 2000s emo album at like quarter speed without with a bunch of the instruments. Like the lyrical content is like, "I'm gonna get out of this crappy town, boy. I miss being in this crappy town." Like you know, it's like that material is like very formulaic for a, a couple. You know, a lot like we already pointed out, like country music, but even. You know, you speed this up, put some loud guitars, and you do the uh, the Southern California, you know, California bratty twang over it. And these are, you know, this is like a, a an AFI album or a Hot Water Music <laughs> album or something. Are you saying Bruce is responsible for emo? No, Rivers Cuomo. Just the better, just the better parts <laughs> of it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, maybe lyrical content and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, those those guys are probably fans. Well, and one thing to, to note is he did record this on a four-track, so every song has something on those other two tracks besides guitar and voice, and it's always interesting mm. what one other thing he mm. thinks needs to be added to the song in order for the the band to know what this demo is trying to tell them. And that backing vocal on there sounds like just so crazy over the top. It's like a parody, you know, like... Version of the boss. I'm just like, <laughs> and he had to do that in his bedroom. Yes, I, I hope he wasn't married at the time. His wife would be much concerned. <laughs> it was it was hard to tell from uh, the the things that I read, but you know there is an engineer credited on this album. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised he had a buddy there with him pressing buttons. No, apparently what happened is he recorded it and just on cassette and would just carry it around with him in his pocket. And when he finally realized, oh crap this is the master tape, it took a lot of work to get that shoddy cassette into a state that could be... In fact, they were almost not able to press it on vinyl. It was going to come out only on cassette because it was so beat up from just, you know, being well <laughs> carried in his back pocket. If Wikipedia is cor- correct and it, it's, very, it's very rarely wrong, um, it says that he... And this is from a quote from... Bruce, but he's saying that he, he had a, an echoplex that he mixed it through. Um, I don't know why he would be doing that. Um, that's weird. I was just looking, when you said four track, I was trying to see if they called out the specific machine because I'm pretty familiar with lo- lots of, it says it's a, T, it's a TAC. So he would have used it for just some verb and some vibe and probably just some gain. Yeah. If, uh, I don't know 
you know, I had a I had a Tascam four track. I'm sure a lot of you had four track experience. But when you met, when you would uh, oh, yeah. when you'd mix down your stuff, there was an option to um, you know uh, run it through run it through um, you know an auxiliary channel or something, so you could add reverb or whatever. Yeah, an effects loop. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So so um, you know, I'm sure that's what he did. I was going to bring up the fact that a, a pristine Echoplex is a noisy fucker. Yeah. So, <laughs> he likely did not have a, a, a pristine one. That's sort of I'm I'm sure a mastering engineer was working his ass off to make this uh uh saleable. Well, you can definitely hear, you know, the at various times, you know, a lot more tape hiss than at other times. I I I'd like to think that he like mixed this down through East Bay Ray's guitar rig. <laughs> Well, shall we move on to the next track? Uh, Mansion on the Hill. Well, there you go. Real question, is this a, a song of jealousy or is he enjoying the mansion as a form of, you know, voyeurism and entertainment? I took it as voyeurism and entertainment because I knew people who did this sort of thing. Yeah. That would, uh, you know, I had a couple girlfriends. We were all, you know, we all grew up blue collar and she was used to tell me, when uh, uh, she was young, uh, her father would, <clears throat> like around Christmas, would they would go up and look at the mansions to look at all the, the lights, the Christmas lights. But of course, she's like, the only one I remember going to was Bill Cosby's house, <laughs> which is, looking back, <laughs> kind of weird and creepy. Uh, yeah, that's, um, I think that would be something you'd remember. A very Cosby Christmas. Yeah. You know, this one I was like, trying to figure out how he would do it um, with the band and the electric version so I found actually there was a, a live version from 2000 and it's got like accordion and lots of pedal steel on it so I think the, the country comparison is very apt on this song I also thought this was kind of like one of the weaker songs on the album yeah it's not a great one but you know it's, well you know considering how stylistically similar all the songs are it doesn't get as as boring and or repetitive as some of the albums we've had to listen to so even the weaker songs at least they sound different which i appreciate yeah I, i'm not particularly a, a lyrics guy myself or a, usually but i i have to say that on this album the uh i like his slightly frilly but also mostly to the point narrative uh style and it's cool to have the space where you can really like listen to the stories telling you and some of the stories are better and some of them are like okay um but you know they last just long enough you know that's what I, I, back to the it, people telling stories of of seeing him live and being blown away one of the things they always say is like you know that song you know whatever that you know by Bruce is like he did like a 15 minute version of it when we saw him live and it burned down the house and I just am like thinking like <laughs> oh god why 
you know yeah and but this these are really cool as you know and keeping in mind this was recorded as demos um it's like yeah it's that's just enough of that story for it to have maximum impact and and i sort of like that about most of this like it's just enough to be to get you thinking about it after the tune's over you know if it was the epic 10 minute thing i'm not sure you'd ever want to hear that story again so i think that's a strength well and you can tell their demos because he clearly hasn't finished writing some of these songs there's a lot of like the same line pops up in two or three songs like about having debts no honest man can pay i think he's in like two or three songs here so he probably would have polished it more and it might have been less impressive you know when he finally did another draft on some of these which might be part of why this hits so well yeah i think so also like one of the few songs in this album that doesn't have any murders in it. True. <laughs> <laughs> then you know the next one's going to have some some murder in, right? You know, and and we think this is one of the lesser songs yeah. that probably says more about us. <laughs> Not enough murder. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just solid track sequencing, man. It's the ebb and flow of murder. Well, should we move on to the next track? Johnny 99. <laughs> Yeah, that one seems much easier to translate into a big band or, you know, well, he has the E Street Band is a big band. There's like seven, eight, ten people in that band. I don't know. I always wondered why, but, you know, that's my jadedness. Well, I mean, I thought this song, like, you know, it it showed a lot more of his influences because you listen to it and I hear just like, you know, rockabilly Chuck Berry. Yeah, definitely. All all I can think of is the Tangare and wine just being a recipe for heartburn sounds well and shooting a night clerk (laughs) yeah heartache yeah so johnny cash has an album called johnny 99 right where he covers this tune yeah unfortunately it did not come out in 1999 which you know disappointed me but yeah that would have been great so since we've mentioned this in previous episodes uh uh, bruce is he a notorious drinker he seems like a a bud drinking kind of guy he's not into craft beers or, or anything just marlboros and budweiser's so he's so he's more like Alice Cooper then. Yeah, yeah. You know, boiler maker, like a beer and a shot. He's not like ordering martinis or Manhattans. Shaken, not stood. Or Tanqueray and wine. That's his, that's his deep dark secret is that he he likes like really girly cocktail drinks. He has to go out in disguise to get them so nobody can <laughs> recognize him. Is it a brilliant disguise? <laughs> he can throw back like five mimosas; it wouldn't affect him. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing I had a hard time reconciling my you know bruce springsteen with is the reagan stuff because reagan really jumped on born in the usa and made it his theme song and as much as bruce you know did not align himself with reagan it's hard not to conflate the two of them but apparently you know he did push back against that yeah and i was just reading that that he was like on stage before this song and saying you know 
I don't think the president's been listening to my Nebraska album. That's the one he should be listening to. And Meanwhile, Neil, is Neil still buddies with the... No, he, yeah. Yeah, Neil was in his Reagan phase at yeah. this point. I think Iggy Pop was, too. Jeez. Huh. Yeah, it was... The 80s were a dark time. Yeah, it was... It was strange. There's a dark and strange, which is perfect for Nebraska. Exactly. The album. Yeah. You know, I believe that, um, um, glory days is another song from these, uh, from these demos. And, uh, I know that that's not on, on here, but I think that was the song that, that really irritated the hell out of me. You know, Bruce Springsteen singing about some guy, you know, um, uh, having a terrible life and thinking back to the time he won the ball game or whatever that song is about. And meanwhile, Bruce is like um, bigger than anyone has ever been uh, in terms of rock and roll. Yeah. You know? Well, and as the kid who gets beat up by the guy who wins the ball game in high school, the only thing you have is looking forward to the day when their best days are behind them and you're actually doing well. So right, giving any right. sort of... <laughs> Salvation or palliative to those Two sides you know, to that coin, huh, Scott? high school <laughs> athletes was. Yeah, you know that is maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe you've hit the nail on the head, right? Is that he's a, yeah, he's he's created an empathetic character out of one that does not deserve. Yeah, that, that's that's how I always interpreted that one. Is like, it's like no, that's really. I mean, that's a sad song for the people who are excited buy it you know it's yeah like, it's like if if you if you identify with this strongly like you may have made some poor choices or something i don't know i don't know i could still see like probably kids i grew up with that are still in philadelphia having their barbecues in their front yard listening to that song yeah 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 but i i mentioned that not just for that though but uh riffing on the theme that scott was going on is is that uh that production of that song coming out of these sessions it would, uh, I, I bet, I just, I, it is really, it is really kind of fun to think about what some of these would have sounded like with, uh, you know, that, that big bombast of Born in the USA. <laughs> if he did like a stripped down uh, Glory Days in this sort of sounding like this, I think it would have been a pretty good song because it would be depressing. You would hear the depression in it. Yeah. Like, you know, he's a very melancholic song rather than what was eventually produced with the big bombast, the keyboards, the saxophone, where he's celebrating this moment from his past. Yeah, it's it, it the, it's it's a cautionary tale, not an anthem. Well, you can sort of reverse engineer it because I think like the original demo for "Born in the USA" and like "Pink Cadillac" are available on you know the tracks box set or whatnot. So I listen to them on Spotify. Yeah, they they sound like Nebraska songs when he does them. Nebraska way and you can see how much the band both added to and dulled these songs mm. I'll have to go find those yeah there's not enough cranked up organ and wailing rock and roll saxophone on this album indeed yeah maybe maybe I'd like it better with the original intent maybe well we'll we'll post a link to the uh, the those demos on the uh, Facebook group so join our Facebook group and me I took Yeah, we're laughing and drinking Nothing feels better than blood on blood Taking turns dancing with Maria As the band played night at the Johnstown Club I catch him when the street 
Each man will walk that line Man turns his back on his family He ain't no friend of mine <laughs> Another song about a criminal, but at least it's told from the point of view of the criminal's police brother instead of the criminal himself. There's not a lot of illusion or metaphor in this song. No, it's just a story, although not a terribly realistic one. I mean, he's talking about a Buick with Ohio plates driving into Canada. I think uh, Lake Erie is in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get out of Jersey much, Scott. Uh, just apparently. Tour, just inside the tour bus. <laughs> he also talks about driving 110 through Michigan County, and um, there is no Michigan County anywhere in the United States. <laughs> Solid research. Yeah, so I thought I thought I read that uh, um, Sean Penn made this into a film. Yeah, his first film, Indian Runner. I've not seen it. Hmm. I, I can't imagine that that movie needing to be more than five minutes and forty seconds because there's nothing that happens. But Cur- you, know. you know, currently Sean Penn is giving up has given up acting and is a author, a novelist. Has he given up acting, or has acting given up him? Well, he claims the former yeah but good for him <laughs> <laughs> you can't fire me i quit i mean i was gonna say this song it, he, it's he's hitting on stuff he's done in the past like you know family ties crime and all that i mean this reminded me a lot of racing in the street on his um darkness on the edge of town album again he's, he uses the same themes over and over and over again yeah I mean, it's another slow song. I don't know how he thought any of these were going to go over with the E Street Band. There's like two rockers so far. I've seen that movie. I just realized that. I was like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't like cool. Anthony Hopkins in it or something? Uh, Vigo Mortison. Vigo Mortison. That's who I was thinking of. Did he play the cop or the criminal? Uh, Joe or Frank? It's been a really, really long time. <laughs> yeah, it, Frankie... Man, he uh, you know, he was married to Exine Cervenka. Yeah, I was gonna say, Mister Mister Exine. Yeah. <laughs> then again, Sean Penn was married to Madonna, and you know, there we go. Why haven't Exine and Madonna done something together now? <laughs> Only, yeah, one, yeah. <laughs> so, do you think there's anything personal about this song? Personal to Bruce? I mean, it, it seems pretty fictitious. I mean, other than sort of the, I'm sure he knew a, a Jersey cop or two with a, sh- a shitbag brother that they let off the hook often. Yeah. That, that that seems believable. Well, he says he's a sergeant out of Perrinville, and the only one is in New Jersey. So clearly, geography is not Springsteen's strong suit either. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, Jersey and in the inside of the tour bus is really his worldview. <laughs> Should we do another cop song? Yeah. About the state trooper. Vigo was frank, oh, by the way, for, for you keeping a track at home. The talk show stations just talk, 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 talk till you lose your patience. I'd love this song. <laughs> it's a good one. I, I, it may be one of my favorite on there. Yeah, this is my favorite on the, this album. I mean, it's got sort of like almost a Peter Gunn theme type of 
feel to it. It's funny because I actually do know this because I was listening to a podcast, another podcast talking about this. He, uh, I was playing this the other day and my wife was listening to it and she's like, I really like this song. It's got like a, a Bo Diddley. Yeah, yeah. And apparently he's, he's, he's not biting Bo Diddley. He's biting the band Suicide. Oh, cool. <laughs> and you can hear it in this song. Not like, you know, you might not hear it from the, just that, 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 that simple guitar, but later in the song, when he starts doing that sort of barking, Woo! Yeah, <laughs> that's he's he's doing um, he's doing Alan Vega from Suicide, and apparently the that sort of riff was taken from their um, their Frankie Teardrop song. I would not have guessed that. That's cool. The idea of Bruce Springsteen kind of doing a riff on Suicide that is fantastic. I, I was gonna say that this one's absolutely badass and probably one of my favorite songs on here, but this one could have maybe maybe not the full. Uh, you know, rock and roll anthem treatment. But if there was if there was some band behind this one, it would be a bass would have helped. Yeah, yeah, some some bass and some gut bucket drums and stuff. As long as it wasn't too too frilly, like yeah. this one would have gotten more more badass than you know. It starts off pretty badass already. It could have easily so. gone over the top though too. It it, yeah. <laughs> it would have been really tempting for them to just turn this into a yeah. James Bond theme. <laughs> I'm okay with that too. Apparently, this song is also uh, a, a true story. I was reading this week. He was saying, uh, apparently, like in, when you're asking about Highway Patrolman, this is actually about Springsteen. He got pulled over and he didn't have any ID on the on the Jersey Turnpike. And apparently, the patrolman's like, "You're that born the run guy." And he's like, "Yeah." And, he was, and of course, he went, "Here's your ticket." <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Even being the boss doesn't get you out of traffic court this is one that's been this is one that's been covered a lot too right i think so yeah i think so they're also a, a similar um howard hughes story where he got like busted without any like no wallet no id no and he's like i'm, I'm howard hughes and they're like sure you are yeah okay crazy old bastard like we're gonna you're gonna dry out in the jail cell for a little while <laughs> now this is certainly a song that i would sing to myself if i were driving and running late and didn't want to get pulled over or had like you know expired tags, or had not uh, caught up on my insurance payments, or whatnot. Maybe uh, didn't have my license non-suspended yet. So it's it's good for that too. It's a little highway prayer. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. Please, Mister State Trooper. <laughs> well, hopefully it, he was driving in a new car, <laughs> which is my way of segueing to used cars. Black, I can hear my little sister in the front seat blowing that horn. Sounds echoing all down Michigan Avenue. I'm stirred the day my number comes in. I ain't ever gonna ride no used car again. He's added some glockenspiel. I mean, I know he put like mandolin on like seven of these songs, but it's nice to hear the glockenspiel. It's nice that he had one lying around. Yeah. The people's people's instrument. Indeed. The glockenspiel. Everyone just has one lying around. I think that's what it is. Maybe it's a Celeste, but that seems even less likely. Well, it's credited as a glockenspiel. It could be one of those toy, you know. Um, yeah. Um, 
xylophones. I was going to say, this song, it reminds me a lot of Mansion on the Hill. He's again hitting the same themes about, you know, buying a used car. And I think there's a line in this, like, you know, we're all going to jump in the car, kiss kiss our asses goodbye. Again, hitting that same idea that he does in, like, you know, Born the Run and Thunder Road. We're just going to get out of here. It is far more relatable than, say, you know, killing 10 or 11 people and or begging to be executed. So it... We've all had crappy cars in our lives. We can all yeah. relate to this. Well, I I like those Bruce songs that are like, let's let's all just get the hell out of. It's like your your escapist dreams are uh, are are practical. They're yeah, <laughs> but of course you have to win the lottery first. <laughs> he but, hits uh, that a lot. Yeah, he hits that a lot. Yeah, and he's still in New Jersey, man. <laughs> well, that's teenage fantasy yeah. too. I mean, that might be part of the appeal, right? It's too bad Pink Cadillac didn't end up on this album. It would have been a nice sort of finale to this song. It would all be about, if Pink Cadillac, it would be another car song. Because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of cars in this and a lot of troopers. Cops and cars. That should have been the title. (laughs) Hey, you know, going back to what we were commenting on earlier about how um, some of the themes that Bruce had that were so compelling to a lot of people in the you know late 70s early 80s um you know maybe not as much so today you know it could be that he isn't experiencing these things anymore but it also could be that that um you know our culture has changed significantly um teenagers for example at that time period they wanted to get their driver's license as quickly as humanly possible now now a lot of teenagers are yeah it doesn't really matter when i get it um, it's the car isn't the symbol of freedom that it once was. Yeah. It, it's, it's the thing that does what it, it makes you do work. Yeah. It costs money. There's nowhere to go. It costs money. I don't need to go to right, the mall. There's nowhere Everything's to go. on Amazon. Right. Yeah. You can, yeah. I, 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 growing up on the East coast, I never owned a car. I didn't have a license until I was in my thirties because they always had public transportation. Yeah. 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 And you, and you can't drive to another state now and buy, uh, buy booze. <laughs> a few years earlier than you could in the one you currently live in. So, you know, I guess there's a weed, there's probably a weed parallel there now, but you know, oh yeah, there's people in the uh, Southern border of Wyoming who are, who are antsy to get their driver's license. I don't doubt. And to be pulled over immediately when crossing. <laughs> back oh, well, into the yeah. State. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause my father, when I was a kid, my father would drive to Jersey to buy booze. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, my dad always said that, you know, he's like in the in the 70s, like America's, you know, in the 60s and 70s, Americans idea of fun was was a car with like 200 horsepower and a case of beer. You know, that was that was entertainment for all for quite a long time. And so Bruce has always been very nostalgic, you know, even early in his career. Isn't he kind of looking back at stuff that was not really happening so much at the time, but had happened recently yeah i mean i I remember uh hearing a story like the only reason thunder road which is one of his most popular songs is called thunder road but it's because it's based on an old i think robert mitchum film the story isn't he just said oh robert mitchum films called thunder road that's a cool title yeah yeah but he's not doing like a doo-wop album like neil young was at this time (laughs) (laughs) yeah hey it, it if this album had come out in the like uh, I don't know what like seven years earlier, I think it would be massively better received. You know this this would be a really famous album, right? It still is pretty famous, but I yeah, mean, it might have yeah. been. It 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 seems like it like it, in 1977 compared to like what 1983. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Like this would have some weight because there's still 
this fits in very well with yeah Neil's like kind of postmodern interpretation of of folky stuff. But this is just like you know five or ten years too late to really be like a. I mean, it's still it's awesome and it's great, but it's not like the freshest take on this. And, and it, it, it it doesn't set out to be. It's just demos. Yeah. But I mean, it was super critically acclaimed. But I don't know how well it actually sold. I you know like you were saying, Carl, your parents skipped this album. I can't imagine this was very popular yeah like i said before too it, it is a it is a curious phenomenon it's universally acclaimed by by clinic uh, critics as i as i pointed out before anyone who's familiar with bruce's music they know about this album i don't know i don't know how many people own it or listen to it well bruce has like a, a small cadre of hardcore fans who have all the albums but i think bruce's main fan base has like born to run and a greatest hits and born in the USA. And they bought them in a Walmart. Yeah. yeah. They, they're not going, yeah. <laughs> you know, he has a lot of really casual fans. And so they probably don't care that this album exists or even know that, you know, 90% of his albums exist. They just want to hear the big hits and that's all they care about. So I think it also shows you the power of critics. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, seems to be. Well, we're all critics now. Not at all. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I can't name, after Born in the USA album, what hits has he had? Uh, Tunnel of Love? <laughs> Tunnel of Love, yeah. Um, oh, wait, the Streets of Philadelphia song. Yeah, he had his, and that the Rising or whatever, the 9-11 song. Yeah, but we're talking almost 35 years and how many albums? He's probably 10 or yeah. 12 albums since then. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bunch. If I had to describe this album in a sentence, it would be... Springsteen for Gen Xers. <laughs> well, yeah, it, 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 for people who think Bruce Springsteen is uncool, this is the one you're okay with. And that's probably why I was okay with it and why I have not said, you know, picked up the river or anything else since. I, I, hey, I, I grew up as a depressed Gen Xer. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> no, I mean, dude, like the suicide <laughs> connection is like fantastic. Like, I, I like that. You get just a hair raunchier on some of this stuff, and you're kind of into like crampsy territory, and it sort of predates. There, there's, there's, you know, death rock stuff going on at the same time, but this predates like you know, gothic country being this really specific genre and aesthetic, just a little bit. It's a little proto that, right? Yeah. Wow, what I would give to hear the cramps do State Trooper. That would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Dig up Lux, man. He's got work to do. Well, shall we go on to Open All Night then? one of the few songs with electric guitar on it i think i was gonna say another rockabilly song about driving <laughs> pretty much What's yeah carburetor <laughs> well he's doing he's doing the voice that's the bruce that we know and yeah got used to yeah yeah Man. i mean this one would have been pretty easy to translate to the e street band so it's kind of surprising that he never actually 
played it live much. It really sounds like one of the songs, I think it could be on a lot of their albums. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, uh, it's like E Street formulaic almost. Well, he did finally start doing it live in like 2006, but it's like this whole Brian Setzer Orchestra Western swing big band thing with vocal backing vocalists doing choop choop doo wop wop shadooby doo it it is it and it lasts like eight freaking minutes it is a, a monstrosity but yes it's <laughs> it does exist and i think the crowd went wild yeah apparently yeah i don't know i don't think i would want to hear that for eight minutes no no two three like a rockabilly song two three minutes in and out yeah we need a violin solo and a saxophone solo and a piano solo it's gotta fit on a 45 if it's a rockabilly song this never made it onto a 45 but it you know got enough airplay that actually reached number 22 on the uh, billboard mainstream rock track charts in the u.s from this album yeah this version of it I mean, it was released Hmm. as a single in the UK, but it didn't do well there, but it did okay here, so. The mainstream rock. If it was Western Western Swing, it would probably have, like, you know, a slide player and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got some, yeah, pedal steel and the mixed chorus of Andrew Sisters doing, like, (laughs) line dances. It is something. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. I was really worried that he didn't do, you know, completely ridiculous things like a lot of the other artists that we've covered on this show it did do it in the studio but yeah there's a live version i think it's the live in dublin album or something that yeah there's a version of this that's uh yeah i don't i don't think i want to watch it i'm just very happy to know that it's there it exists yes <laughs> well i guess there's not much else to say about this one <laughs> moving right along to uh my father's house i woke and i imagined the hard things that pulled us apart will never again, sir, tear us from each other's hearts. I got dressed into that house I did right from out on. Another uplifting song. Indeed. Man, this is a sad bastard album. Well, at least this one's just a dream. <laughs> yeah, this song... It didn't actually happen. Reminded me of, like, the end of um, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Bad guys win. People die. Eh. I had a dream. Yeah. Did, did any of you listen to the Mark Maron podcast where he interviews Bruce Springsteen? A, a long time ago. Yeah, I did when it came out. Yeah, yeah well, well, uh, what, what they talked about a lot was uh, psychological issues and problems, and Bruce's apparently were very centered around his father. But he apparently, through um, a lot of therapy, you know, is much better now. And uh, um, But, um, uh, you know, it kind of makes me wonder a bit, not that I don't want him to be happy, but I wonder about, you know, if, if you don't have that going on in your head, you don't write a song like this. True, true. And happy people don't always write the best music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. Double-edged sword. Kind of like when people, like when people say Eric Clapton was only good when he was on heroin. Well, they're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure the heroin made him good, yeah. but it was just an overlapping of timelines. <laughs> people are correct. Was that when he was writing songs about George Harrison's wife? Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. <laughs> but uh um but anyway you know i i uh it, it's such a it's such a strange thing to me when i when i hear songs like this i really i really think you know music is an odd is an odd odd beast i guess i really want to like bruce more than i do yeah i don't quite understand why 
it just doesn't hit. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a question. Do you like Bruce the person more than you like Bruce the musician? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. The other thing is is the, the thing I mentioned earlier that was brought up again when you mentioned the, the eight-minute country swing version of the of the previous song is that that I think the the band is not compelling to me. Yeah. Like Bruce Bruce kind of is in in some ways like on this album it comes out I'm, you know there's I mean the band is clearly accomplished they 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 clearly um play really well right but um there doesn't seem to be a lot of um deviation from the norm. It's like they have a, a very a concrete view of what rock and roll should sound like and they they don't they don't stray. No. You know and uh yeah but neither does like the Rolling Stones or or some other you know they have their thing that they're they're good at. I mean it's a weird mutation of of blues and rock and roll. It's not they wouldn't claim to be super duper authentic they're doing their thing but they haven't changed it in like 150 years now so <laughs> so i mean i i think yeah but that you know that the groove is different the rhythm's yeah, no, no, different no, no, no. you know there's badass guitar solos there's you know there's all kinds of sh- shit that goes i, I on definitely just, prefer one to the other but i'm, I'm also record. just pointing out it's like i think <laughs> when people find the thing that's working for them you know it's a pretty solid show business to uh you know uh stick yeah. with that until the checks start you know until the checks stop coming like, I have to. I have to agree with you. Plus, you haven't you haven't drunk any of that uh, Jersey tap water, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. and wine. There's a there's a lead poisoning element to this. Well, you, you get used to playing in those dive bars. You ain't doing anything to stir up or or agitate the clientele. You want to keep them happy. Yeah. That's what the chicken wire is for, man. <laughs> well, it could just be you know. Uh, Right, I, I think it. I think it really is. I'm. I'm convinced of this now. I think it is a cultural difference that we assume, and and maybe maybe the the country is more homogenized now. I do not know. I I can't really speak to that directly. But when I lived in um in New York, which was in the the late '80s, early '90s, it always struck me. I was a little surprised by this. Um, I mean, I didn't live in New New York City. I lived upstate. How um provincial everything was. How kind of uh, closed off it seemed people were from the outside world. As uh, we're you know out west, it's everything seems open. You know, and and this this weird idea they have that that uh, that nothing seems to exist between say New York and Los Angeles. Maybe there's a little blip in Chicago for some people, but but mostly there's nothing. Uh, you know, there's nothing there. And and I think that that uh, th- this album seems to in in a lot of ways to me, it's still contains a lot of that provincialism but it also has a, a bit more a bit more of a universal quality to it no which again brings up the question why call it nebraska <laughs> yeah yeah that is it's it's i was i was going to point out i mean one of the really compelling things about new jersey is that you know people tend to think about it as either very urban or very industrial or the and it's like it's all those things and there are farms and there are uh big sections of of suburban sprawl and there are I mean, it's this pretty intense microcosm where a lot of people live their whole lives and don't really get outside of their their little slice of it. Even when a completely different ecosystem and world exists just a few miles down the road in the same freaking state, maybe the same damn county. And uh, it's a really interesting thing and in how it's so diverse, but also so compact, segregated and yeah, and, and small and and so this idea of hopping in your car and escaping as a means of escape is is probably pretty compelling to somebody who lives in New Jersey or Eastern Pennsylvania or something like that. But to somebody who lives in Nebraska, well, that's like where are you going to drive to? I can I can <laughs> right. see as far as I could drive in a day. You know, like what the, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> 
I was going to say, like, coming from the East Coast and coming to uh, Colorado, I don't understand Winger. I don't understand Big Head Todd. There's a lot of your yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand them either, though. Yeah. <laughs> Those are big yeah. mysteries, too. <laughs> Sugarloaf, that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Green eyed lady, sexy lady. Yeah, but Firefall. Firefall. Everyone gets that. We'll, we'll not have you besmirch Winger on this podcast. <laughs> You get right on that. <laughs> I think we have a big Kip Winger poster at our at our practice base that's been autographed. Yeah, it's one of the things my wife was kind of like, yeah, Winger's from here. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's nice. Do we have to go now? <laughs> there was there was a town that we visited where Nickelback is from. We didn't visit there. I went there for work to work at the power plant. and Or my, my coworkers did. And they said every diner that they ate in, somebody was like, you guys not from here? You know, Nickelback's from here. And <laughs> My wife grew up here. And I remember one of the first times we went up into the mountains, it was years ago, every like little side, like, you know, you stop, get gas, uh, little bodegas had Big Head Todd CDs. And I was like, why? And she was like, yeah, they're from Colorado. <laughs> they got replaced with the fray a couple of years later. <laughs> I think those are for the, I think those are for the tourists though. I don't know. They're for the hardcore fans, man. I lost my tape. I'm freaking out. I gotta, I gotta get, thank God they have them at every gas station. Well, shall we move on then? What? Cause I need a reason to believe. <laughs> nice. Take your body to the graveyard Over him they pray Lord, won't you tell us Tell us what does it mean At the end of every hard-earned day People find some reason to Congregation I'm going to say not many songs start with a uh, dead dog Certainly not the most optimistic song on the album <laughs> Yeah, country country songs usually build up to that part. He, he hits you in the first line. <laughs> Poke it with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> he really likes that shuffle, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the E Street shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> well, like Logan was saying, if you find something that works, there's no reason not to stick with it. Keep doing it. It's funny, like, you know, after this whole album of just, like, you know, depression and murder and at the end, reason to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sure there is. He didn't give me one. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's why he had to add it to the album, so it wasn't just a complete bleak bummer. But yeah. this, this is the one that comes closest to giving me that old Bruce vibe of you know, buck up, Cheerio kiddos. It's all okay as long as we can dance with Maria at the barn. And yeah, th this is my least favorite track on here by a stretch. Yeah, where'd the murder guy go to? Yeah. <laughs> Please, Mr. State Trooper. You're right. It's like the world is shit, but at least I can put a smile on my face. Well, he doesn't even say believe in what, much less what the reason is to believe in it. Just, you know, be happy. All, all the reviews I've read, most of the reviews I've read of this this album, they do talk about that, um, you know, that, that idea that it's a bleak album, but they have this very uplifting song at the end. Very uplifting might be a little strong. Hmm. Yeah, it starts with the dead dog. <laughs> in fact, that's the second time he talks about things that are dead, just, you know, maybe they'll come alive again who knows mm. i think that's in atlantic city as well but maybe when you get to the last song this you know maybe alleviates a little of your angst after listening to the rest of it yeah um or that's the intent i mean Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's why it feels calculated because i think that was the uh, intent and it missed the the bleakness well, yeah. <laughs> i mean should we 
address the i mean there's this artistic element where really sad shit kind of cheers you up when you're sad like hearing a, a situation more dire than your own or at least relatable to your own is is often kind of soothing and it's one of the reasons we turn to to art and music a lot of times or the blues cheers you up but it's a you know a terrible you know or, or really pissed off angry music kind of calms you down when you're pissed off and angry and there's there's the uh, cathartic element to listening to these things and so yeah having an optimistic song at the end of this bunch of pseudo country murder ballad kind of things is maybe a not a great <laughs> choice because that uh, the, the other was really working matt you know for you that also might be a reason you're not so psyched on on bruce because it's like yeah he does have some optimism <laughs> often in his in his more mainstream stuff and i don't know man you might be uh uh you know uh i think you're right a, a, a troubled individual who who needs you know <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I think I do. I get I get mad at him for telling me to be happy. There you go. You don't have a reason to believe. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you must have really hated Bobby McFerrin, man. It's like, <laughs> oddly enough, I kind of dug that. Yeah. He's an interesting cat. Yeah. He used to have that album on on vinyl. He covers Cream. It is something to hear Bobby McFerrin doing "Sunshine of Your Love." The, the whole Clapton solo and everything. It's definitely worth checking. Wow. There's a fantastic Bobby McFerrin song on the album "Duets" by Rob Wasserman, who's a, a, a fantastic. Uh, electric upright bass player who passed a few years ago and um he did this album of duets with a bunch of famous people like there's a lou reed song but there's a bobby mcferrin song that's great and that one's good you should check it out bobby doesn't get enough credit he also appears on a, a laurie anderson album yeah. the strange angels that's yeah. like one of my favorites of hers yeah the thing is is i'm not i don't mind happy music that's not the point what i what i uh what what irritates me about what irritated me at the time i don't really pay attention anymore but uh it was really bruce and it was also um that little pink houses guy oh john cougar from ellen camp yeah. right right it, it was kind of like i i felt like they were they were preaching to me how i should feel as a working class person and as a working class person i wanted to say fuck you <laughs> that, that's what i wanted to do and and so so that that's you know i think that's where where you know it kind of came in and that's why i was like it's, it's got to be a, a cultural divide I think a bit because because it does speak to an awful lot of people like oh he is speaking for me yeah and and I want to listen to this right but he's I mean I assume that's what his fans think or maybe they just like the the music I don't know yeah they just want to sing how they were also born in the USA and anyone who wasn't born in the USA should be thrown out and we should build a wall yeah somebody on this right. podcast <laughs> never won a baseball game yeah <laughs> Well, uh, any final thoughts on Nebraska the state or Nebraska the album we want to conclude with? Well, it's it's probably not going to happen this year, but Gore versus Goom was supposed to play Pondstock in Nebraska next month, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be canceled. So, <laughs> yeah, everything is canceled. That's right. Were you guys going to do? Were you guys going to do it acoustically and record it on a cassette? Ooh, it, only if we can find a working Echoplex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this sounds also like fun. Uh, I mean, not the not the music necessarily. I mean, it sounds like like it's to me. I find a certain amount of uh, love or joy in what he was doing here. It didn't sound forced or contrived. Well, yeah, um, that's because he wasn't performing. He was just doing it because the, yeah. to record it. Yeah, to show the band. Yeah. I mean, he bursts out full throated, you know, woohoos in there, even though it's just him and it's going to be heard by theoretically four people and an acoustic guitar. It's just, you know, 
he does enjoy doing this. I, I like this a lot. It's 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 personal and vulnerable in all the right ways, and it's dark. And you know, I really like this album. Um, I really like that this was an album I had to find. As I said, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting. Like, I mean, how many artists do you know that can do a demo and have the demo be? The final product i can think of there was this album and the come on pilgrim by the pixies was a demo yeah aside from that i can't think of anything else and i think that shows the quality of the work yeah 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 i agree with that i was um i i i do confess i i had not listened to this before we decided to do this podcast and uh, um and i did hear you scott mention once that oh that's a good album um and i uh I thought, oh. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> is there a different Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> but but I'm really happy I listened to it. I think this is uh, this was. I agree with Logan. It's 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 uh, it works uh, for the right reasons. And I would I would have hated to hear. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Like the whole E Street Band versions of these songs. Yeah, probably bootlegs yeah. or something. If you look on YouTube for a lot of the a lot of the two, you know, if you type in the 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 song titles individually, you you can find live live version of for a, a live version probably, yeah i think the uh there's of, a f- not the whole album but a, a bunch of these the studio versions though that that never got released uh and there's a few of them that have been but a few that have not apparently they're the holy grail for bruce springsteen collectors mm-hmm. is trying to find mm-hmm. you know get a hold of those electric nebraska which just sounds yeah, like yeah. the <laughs> dumbest <laughs> phrase ever <laughs> i would like to go oh, find the Johnny Cash versions. Well, then that was sort of my thought when I liked this album. It's like I don't, I don't think there's any other Springsteen out there that's like this. So I don't, I didn't get compelled to search out anything. And I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a another Springsteen album that came out in like the '90s or 2000s that nobody ever talks about or plays. That's just as good. But I remember friends telling me um, if you like Nebraska, te- check out the Ghost of Tom Joad. And yeah. I, didn't really like that album. I found it boring. Yeah. Well, that one, he's trying to be acoustic. This one feels like, well, acoustic was just what was sitting in his bedroom. When, when Rage Against the Machine can do a perfectly serviceable cover of a song, then maybe it's not like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that'll wrap it up for this episode. Is there anything you want to plug, Carl? I mean, where can people follow you and buy your book and, and give you money? I'm, uh... uh oh, thanks. Um... Uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm right now finishing up illustrations uh, of iconic Denver places for uh, um, for Tinto Press. That's going to be coming out uh, later this year. Other than that, I'm still doing um, still doing Thirty Miles of Crazy. My comic in the Westwards on hold for the time being, just because of. The current uh, reality because of the world. world is on hold. Yes, because the world's on hold. Um, planning on doing more Thirty Miles of Crazy. I'm doing uh, a comic called um, The Lighthouse uh, in the City, which is a daily comic about basically um, getting through all this. You know how everyone's dealing with it. I'm I'm told my banners on Colfax are back up, up but nobody's on Colfax right now. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> So yeah, and you can find my uh, you can find my um, order stuff from me uh, for, through my website or through uh, Birdcage Bottom Books. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely we'll put a link to all that in the show notes and whatnot. But very cool. That'll be fun. Um, any anyone else want to plug anything? I mean, we're all stuck inside, so just uh, 
follow us on Instagram or whatever. Um, you know, take a minute and uh, subscribe to us in whatever podcasting application you're listening to. Write us a review. You know, let us know that you know we're not talking to ourselves. Uh, you can always drop us an email at um, detoursandoutliers at gmail.com if you have any ideas for uh, future episodes. And I guess until then, uh, we'll be around and we'll try and figure out who this album or artist is. Yeah.